Hello everyone, what's good? Welcome back to Nick's World of Sports. Today is a great day to be a baseball fan. It is Tuesday, July 26th, the year of our Lord, 2022. And the Subway Series is back and better than ever. And it is a great thing for baseball. Why? Why must I say that? Because, well, uh, this is the first time ever. Both teams are in first place in their divisions coming into this one. The Yankees own the best record in baseball. It's going to be a hell of a series. It's only two games, though, unfortunately, but it's going to be a hell of a series. Aaron Judge and Pete Alonso are one and two in RBIs in all of baseball. Aaron Judge is 37 homers. A lot of storylines in this one. The Lindor and Stanton beef is going to be here. We're back at City Field where it last was. Not great pitching for the Yankees. Not, yeah, for the Yankees not going out there. Mets send up two of their best starters. It's going to be a fun one. We got uh, Tonight we got Montgomery versus Tyone Walker. Um, that's going to be a bit of a brutal one, even though Monty's pretty underrated. I don't, I'm not a big fan of Jordan Montgomery personally. And I'm not a big fan of Tywan Walker either, but it's going to be a good matchup. And then tomorrow we're going to have a barn burner, maybe. At least uh, the Mets might have a field day. Hopefully the Yankees can get to Scherzer. It's going to be Scherzer versus Domingo Herman, unless something else happens, like the Yankees pull off a Luis Castillo trade right before the game. But I don't know. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a really fun two, ga- two days. That's not all for baseball. We have a lot more to talk about today. We have a lot more in other sports, too. Holy shit. I- this is breaking news that just came in as the- in the middle of this. Uh, Chris Carson of the Seattle Seahawks just retired. Wow. Wow, that was a big one. Just got the alert from NFL Network here. That is it. Big, big news in the world of sports, especially in the football world. Holy shit. Chris Carson is retiring after five years due to his a neck injury he sustained this year. That That's... I did not expect that alert. Wow. Whew. We're starting off this episode hot. We're about to get right into baseball, talk baseball the whole episode, but Chris Carson stole the show right there. Stole my intro, at least. That's a shame. Chris Carson's talented. Member of the Seahawks. He's a good running back until he got hurt. And the Seahawks obviously have uh, Rashad Penny had a big breakout at the end of the year. That's going to be nice to see from Rashad Penny's side, I guess, that he gets more playing time now and he doesn't have to worry about no Chris Carson stealing touches. But that's a shame, you know. Chris Carson was one of the last like somewhat pieces of the somewhat old guard that's there besides Metcalf and maybe Lockett. Those two I guess I could consider part of the Wilson Legion of Boomish era. Eh, maybe not the Legion of Boom, but they're you know, contention, playoff contention era, but that's a shame. That that's terrible. An injury like that happened to a guy that talented. I wish Chris Carson nothing but the best for the rest of his life. He's still very young. He's got a whole life ahead of him. And he secured definitely a good savings, good money there for playing in the NFL. I know it's not MLB money, but it's good money. It's definitely not that NBA money either, but it's good money, great money to invest, great money for savings, rainy day, stuff like that. And you left your mark, dude. Congrats on a solid career. All right, enough talking about Chris Carson. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and just make the whole episode about him because it's not worth that. I'll probably not enjoy either the output of this episode i want to enjoy this one this is a big day for baseball and a bunch of other stuff around the league so let's get right into it let's talk right about some standings updates real quick uh we have some 
crazy, crazy things going on in the American League East right now. The Yankees are still 12 and a half up on Toronto, who's now in second place of Leapfrog Tampa Bay. I was shitting on Blue, the Blue Jays a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ago, especially with the whole, you know, you can't let people into the country. I saw something, I think it was that Arenado and Goldschmidt couldn't play out in uh, Toronto this week because of the vaccine rules or something, or they were supposed to not play or something like that. Justin Trudeau is still the only person in the world that is scared of people not having the vaccine, it seems like. But the Blue Jays went into Boston, swept the Red Sox. They didn't just sweep them. They dominated. That was like watching a middle school team play against a professional team. That looked like back earlier this year, I played a game of MLB The Show against my uh, former housemate, Andre. And Andre never played the show before, and I routed him. I'm pretty sure I beat him like 18 to three or something. He was getting no hit until the eighth inning, and I let and he hit a couple of balls over the fence. But it was crazy. It was crazy to see that 28 to five against the freaking Blue Jays. Raimel Tapia is beating you guys. Raimel Tapia, the castoff from the Rockies. He's out there hitting inside the park grand slams and shit. Granted, too, uh, Duran had probably one of the worst plays I've ever seen by an outfielder on that. He loses it. Ball bounces behind him. He just stands there and lets a guy from left field at the Monsters basically sprint all the way in to go get that ball. You're supposed to be one of the fastest guys in baseball. I know sometimes the guy's backing you up and shit, and you let the guy backing you up get that ball because he's closer. You still go run after it at least or make an attempt. He just stood there and watched. My theory was that ball hit the warning track it looked like. It bounced up and hit the top of the Monster. And I think he thought maybe it hit the top of the monster and fell out. It was over the fence. But I don't know. That's my only thing. I can maybe defend Duran on there. But that was bad, dude. That was bad. And then they get crushed the other two games they play. They win last night, which was big for them. But Boston is two of their last... They've won two of their last ten. They are one game over five hundred. the Red Sox. And this was a team that was playing against Houston in the ALCS last year. Same team. Only difference is now they don't have sale because that was one of the most disgusting injuries I've ever seen from a pitcher on his hand after Aaron Hicks hit a line drive right off his hand when he just got back from rehabbing after a stress reaction or a stress fracture in his back or rib. I forget what it was. The Red Sox are 500 on the road, a game over at home. The Orioles are a half game behind them, and they're losing ground on the Rays. They've lost a lot of ground on Tampa Bay. They're pretty much, right now, they are hanging on for dear life to that wild card spot. Or being in that contention for that wild card spot. The only team ahead of them in the wild card standings is Toronto, Tampa, and the Mariners. The Guardians and the White Sox are right there, too, with Baltimore. This is a very scary situation for Boston. They might become sellers because of this. I'll get into that later. We'll talk a little bit more trade deadline as that's pretty much all this show's been talking about the last couple weeks. But we won't go all into Juan Soto. We'll go into everyone else as well. But that is bad for the Boston Red Sox. I'd be panicking right now. My buddy Andre, my other buddy Jimmy Smith, I'd be scared right now. If you were a Red Sox fan, this might be it. JD might be gone. Xander might be traded for scraps. They're going to ex- probably keep Devers for as long as they can, maybe try and extend him. He'd probably have to. They'd probably have to get like a Soto-type deal to get rid of uh, Devers. He's just that good. A lot of pieces might be gone on this Boston team, especially the way they're not winning right now. They're struggling hard. Avaldi might be gone. 
Sale you're going to have to keep for a while or unless they get some kind of crazy offer for Chris Sale in this twilight. They're, I think the Sox are done. They're done. Baltimore is going to leapfrog them at some point. I did have the uh, AL East. The standings currently is what I have throughout the rest of the year. That's what I had the AL East finishing as. I didn't have the Red Sox in a playoff spot, though. I had them just missing a playoff spot, I'm pretty sure. But, wow. Boston is... They're, if they can't muster something up in the next couple of days, they're dead to rights. They're the worst team in baseball over this last stretch. Like They're worse than teams like the Pirates. They're worse than the Cubs, the Athletics, the Angels, the Tigers, Royals. The freaking... Don't even know who else I can really mention that's terrible that I haven't mentioned already. They're they are the worst. They're the lowest of the low. In the words of the movie Moneyball, there's the high teams, middle teams, low teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap. Then there's the Red Sox at this point. I ch- I changed that line obviously, but the Red Sox are below a bunch of crap right now. They can't figure it out they, unless they have something spark up quickly before the deadline. They're done. They're done, and they should just sell. Because Chan Bloom's not someone who's a, uh, you know, he's not a big, big spender like he used to be. That's why Betts isn't on this team anymore. We will see, though, with the Red Sox what's next, but I like to think they're done. I'm not going to start harping on the Blue Jays, though. Congrats, you got that big series when you needed it. You needed a sweep to kind of put yourself back into somewhat of contention, but you're still 12 and a half out on the Yanks. You're under 500 on the road you're eight of your last 10 congratulations you want a cookie or something like who fucking cares you got to prove to me that you're more than mid you're righty your lineup is righty heavy you have the same problem the yankees did the last couple years before they got went out and got rizzo and gallo even though gallo has been terrible for the yanks he's been one of the worst hitters in the league i don't understand it with toronto i don't get toronto's dilemma right now Really don't. Tampa Bay's got to make a big move. They need to make a big move if they want to put themselves right back in that conversation with the best teams in the American League, like the Yankees, the Astros, even the Mariners. They're clo- they have the same record as the Mariners, or they're a half game ahead of the Mariners, I should say, because the Mariners have one more loss and one more game played. That's just bad for a team like Tampa, who thought they'd be World Series contenders again. I get it. The injury bug's hitting you a bit. But, like, you're better than this. You're better coached than this. The play has been terrible. They can't get it done at the plate. They can't get it done in the field. The pitching's been good for the most part. McClanahan's been lights out. I don't know what happened to Boz. He's hurt now, but Boz hasn't looked like himself. He doesn't look like the guy that was a uh, super stud. Trading Meadows actually turned out to be pretty good because Meadows is struggling this year in Detroit. But you're telling me Taylor Walls and Vidal Brunhan are getting meaningful at bats for this team? And they're supposed to be a World Series contender? I get it. Walls is a bit of a Yankee killer. Eh, I shouldn't say a bit of a Yankee killer. He, he's been a thorn at her side a little bit, but Taylor Walls is kind of just bleh. He's terrible offensively. He can field. But I think it's time like you realize sometimes these prospects don't pan out. They don't pan out. You probably should have traded a guy like Brujan. And I get they were aggressive going after Freddie Freeman. They had their own great first baseman there in G-Man Choi. I should say great, but good first baseman G-Man Choi. 
But now they just lost Harold Ramirez for some time. G-Man Choi's been someone who's been on and off the IL for a couple years now. I'd like to see Tampa make a big move, but I also would love to see Tampa go down. Because I hate, I hate Kevin Cash. I know he was a Yankee, but I can't stand Kevin Cash. He's a good manager. I just can't stand losing to him. And the shit he says sometimes. We have a whole stable of guys that throw 100 miles an hour, so we're ready to go. Like, that's bullshit. Baltimore took took one game from the Yanks in a series recently. Baltimore's good. Baltimore's good. I think that right now, right now, this very second, Baltimore's a top three team in the American League East. I could argue they're, they could compete with Toronto right now. Not on paper, obviously, because Toronto on paper looks like a World Series team, but they could compete and be competitive with the Blue Jays. If the Blue Jays go on a skid and Baltimore catches lightning in a bottle, who knows? That They might be similar. Baltimore could finish third. They could. It's not impossible. It's unlikely. But I think the way they've been playing since they've called up Adley Rutschman, they're a top three team. I think they're better. They've been playing better than Tampa. Slightly better than Tampa. They've definitely been out playing Boston. And there's other teams in the American League I look at, like the the Twins, the Guardians, the Sox, the Rangers, Angels even. The entire AL Central, and I could argue all but the Astros in the AL West. I think the Orioles have been a better team than them, just from watching them. They do need a pitcher. They need another pitcher, I think. They need another starter. Their bullpen's actually pretty good. One of the most underrated groups in baseball, their bullpen. Bunch of guys under three ARAs. Like Dylan Tate. I know Brady Aiken got a little roughed up by the Yankees, but he's still pretty good. Got a couple of guys. I might have said the wrong Aiken. Because I know there's the one that was the big draft bust, number one overall pick that didn't sign or some shit. Aiken. I might have said the wrong Aiken, but Aiken's good. And Tate's good. And I believe the other one's Castillo is pretty good. They have a couple really good arms there. Not a lot, not no joke in the Baltimore bullpen. They just need to get some starters now at the deadline. They're probably a team that I would like to see get a Frankie Montes or Luis Castillo, but I don't think they're going to do that. They have John Means coming back next year, and you have Grayson Rodriguez, you know, coming back next year from an arm injury too, and he's down in AAA, Grayson Rodriguez, and he's the number four prospect in all baseball. He was the number two before the recent update, which I thought was bullshit, but Grayson Rodriguez is supposed to be the truth, and, you know, I say prospects don't pan out. I'd like to see Grayson Rodriguez pan out because Baltimore needs a pitcher that bad. Let's move on a bit. Let's talk a little more central, I guess. The Guardians yesterday dropped the game to Boston. That's expected, I guess, because they're also very mid. The Twins are mid. The Sox are mid, but they're starting to get it back on track. They're back at 500. Royals and Tigers are dumpster fires. They're dumpster fires, and that Javi Baez contract for the Tigers looks terrible. They should probably sell off Soto, the Tigers, because they have Gregory Soto in their bullpen, who's electric, but they probably won't because they think they're probably a couple pieces away from being competitive again. Their road record's terrible. They're a terrible away from uh, Comerica, but at home, they're 24 and 26. Like It's not god-awful. It's respectable, I guess. Royals are shipping off Benintendi. It's the uh, worst-kept secret in baseball. One of the worst-kept secrets is Andrew Benintendi will not be a Kansas City Royal at the end of this year. Great. I think he's the best 
Here's my hot take. All right, everyone, ready for this? Andrew Benintendi is the best left fielder available not named Juan Soto. He's the best outfielder available that is within reasonable trade for most teams. Especially the defense he brings. First-time All-Star, he's hitting 316. He's one of the top 10 average hitters in baseball this year when it comes down to average. Unless you have the farm to pull off a Soto trade and you're not playing in Toronto, Andrew Benintendi, or, yeah, Benintendi he's the best defensive outfielder and the best overall outfielder you could acquire at this year's deadline. That's just my take. And it sucks that Benintendi's riding away on the Royals. I know Whit Merrifield's probably going to be shipped off. I feel bad for Bobby Witt Jr. because he's a stud. He's a dog. But that's tough. Let's go to the AOS. The uh, The cheating Astros took two in a doubleheader from the Yankees, and they snapped the Mariners, I believe, 14-game win streak recently. I believe they swept the Mariners, or they're in the middle of sweeping the Mariners. I mean, good on them. Framber Valdez leads the league in quality starts, which I, I shocked me. I was looking at this earlier. I was looking at MLB stats before we uh, went on, I went on the air and I started recording. That, that, Framber Valdez, to me, I always thought he was just okay. He wasn't obviously like a stud or a dog. Framber Valdez leads the league in quality starts with 17. One more than Sandy Alcantara and Alec Manoa. And... I believe that's two more than Max Fried and uh, Logan Webb of the Giants. Kind of crazy. Framber Valdez. Who would have thought he would have that? And that pitching stat, too. Verlander leads the league in wins with 13 and earned run average. He's third with a 1.86 ERA. McClanahan still leads all starters with 1.71. And Sandy Alcantara is 1.81 currently in pitching stats. That's kind of crazy that a guy like Verlander is turning back the clock. That pitching staff for the Astros, I hate to give this freaking team of cheaters credit. I hate it that I'm doing this. But I can't deny the talent. The Astros are fucking good. And their pitching staff is the most underrated group in baseball. I think of the American League, the two best pitching staffs currently are the Yankees and the Astros. The Yankees have the best group from... uh, Top to bottom, we'll get to the Yankees later. We'll talk about them in a little bit of a preview I'm going to do. They have the best top to bottom from starter number one to the last guy in the bullpen. The Yankees have the best pitching staff, I think. But the Astros' starting rotation, Luis Garcia, Framber Valdez, Jose Urquidy, and Justin Verlander, and then they're going to get McCullers back, you're telling me? Whew. That's a pretty damn good starting rotation. I'd be scared. I'm... A bit scared of him. I'll be honest. It's the pitching rotation. The bats, whatever. I'm not scared of a midget who's still, like, believe, people still believe he didn't cheat when he obviously did. The numbers prove it. It's not age. It's proven. And I think he's the biggest pussy on planet Earth. Bregman's declining. A declining Yuli Gurriel. No answer at the catch and, catcher position. Uh, Jeremy Pena's very good. And a lot of guys, this is, their window's closing, in my opinion. Because Verlander's not going to be here forever. I think Gurriel's about to retire. Guy's old as shit. Surprised he won a batting title last year. I didn't know that until the other day, actually. I completely forgot Yuli Gurriel won a batting title. Not well-deserved, obviously, because he is a professional douchebag. Alex Bregman's numbers are slowly declining, and I don't know how much longer they're going to keep the band together there. The only thing kind of holding them together right now, in my opinion, is that starting rotation. If it wasn't for that rotation, I don't know if the Astros would be as competitive as they are. 
their Thorn the Yankees side. But we'll see. We'll see what comes up come playoff time. Let's go to the National League a little bit. I won't talk about the Mets yet. I'll get into them later. Braves two games out. The Braves are two games out of taking the lead from the Mets. I know DeGrom's coming back. He's making his last rehab start tomorrow up in Syracuse. But Atlanta is good. They're going to be right on the Mets' tail. I Just for the memes, just for the jokes and shit, I hope Atlanta chases down the Mets and beats them out. They're six and a half games up in a wild card right now from the last wild card spot. I saw that this morning on MLB Network. Please let the Braves come out here and just bully everyone the rest of the season. Bully them. Please, Atlanta, for my humor. I don't care if you make it to the World Series or not. You weren't my World Series pick this year to be in there. I had the Yankees and the Giants, I believe. But I don't know. The Giants look really unlikely now. But just for the memes and just for a good old laugh by us Yankee fans, please, 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 please catch the Mets. They have the best or the second best home record in the entire National League. And their road record's not too shabby either. They have a better home record than the Mets. I know the Mets won a key series against them earlier before the break, but there's plenty of baseball left to be played, Susan. I keep saying Susan. i got to find someone else to say. I can't keep taking that from Sterling. But there's plenty of baseball left to be played. Plenty of time for the Braves to make up that two games. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. As they are number two and three in record in the National League, but... I'd like to see it. It'd be really funny to watch the Mets have to go play a wild card and play a lot of their games away from City Field. Phillies are making up some ground, kind of. They've eh, they've been sliding a bit, but they're nine games out. Phillies can be scary. If they get hot, they're, they're hot. They're one of the streakiest teams in baseball. They need a pitcher. They need a pitcher. Marlins are starting to falter a bit with Jazz being out for long term. Stinks, but I think they don't do anything at the deadline. You just regroup. Just regroup for next year. Nationals are selling everything off. This is a sad time to be a Nationals fan. That is depressing. Let's go to the Central. A whole lot of mid. We're going to talk about the two-team race real quick. Brewers and Cards. The Cardinals have two of the best players on the planet right now, and Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, who are having Cooperstown-esque years. But I don't see it lasting too much longer for the brew crew the brew crew is just mid they're both mid both teams i'd like to see the cardinals take this division but it's gonna be an interesting race come later in the month so right now the cards do hold a wild card spot behind the braves they're a game up in a wild card i believe or yeah behind the braves and the padres they're a game up on philly who is desperate, or half a game up on Philly, who is desperately fighting to get back into the wild card spot. But it could be a very interesting, very interesting stretch between those teams. I think both teams, the Brewers and the Cardinals, should not just worry about themselves, but they should worry about who's behind them because they both want to make the playoffs at the end of the day. And they're not getting a bye regardless. So we'll see what goes on here. I think if I'm the Brewers, I'm worried about not just the Cardinals. I'm worried about the Padres. I'm worried about the Giants. I'm worried about the Phillies. I'm still maybe worried about the Marlins who, let's say they get Jazz back and get really hot. I don't know. Let's go talk. The rest of the division doesn't even deserve to be talked about. They're terrible. 
Pirates are pitiful. They're just hoping they can get good pieces back for Quintana at this point. The Pirates did make a good trade the other day, though, in my opinion. They shipped off a fan favorite from everyone around baseball, Daniel Vogelbach, in exchange for a reliever from the Mets, a young reliever, who's got a sub-3 ERA. That was a fleece job, in my opinion, because that was probably the, one of the worst trades the Mets could have made in terms of need. But the Pirates got a good reliever. They got a good reliever. Are they, if they can develop him... They're going to have a good relief thing. with the, they're, They have that closer at the end of the pen. I always forget his name. He's good. And they have this coming up. This is awesome for them. Cubs, uh, the Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, and David Robertson farewell tour starts now. No one's going to want Kyle Hendricks, in my opinion. Reds, you suck. I can't believe you took a series from the Yankees and, you're sick, and you've won six of your last ten. You suck. Uh, the NL West, the Dodgers are the hottest team in baseball right now. They're on an incredible, like incredible, incredible streak since the since right before the All Star break. They've won eight of their last ten. They're an incredible team at home and away. I think they might have a better better road and away splits than the Yankees right now. Nah, nah, they're, they're a better road team than the Yankees, but they're not better at home. Good team though. The Dodgers are really, really pulling away in the division. I thought that would be. Airtight in the top three teams. The Padres are 11 and a half out, and the Padres are a good team this year. And the Giants are floundering. They're at 500. They're like the Red Sox right now. Are they going to sell? Or are they going to buy? The pitching is carrying. Webb is having a great start. He's like I mentioned, he's top five in quality starts in the league, and Carlos Rodon is pitching like he's freaking Whitey Ford. He's pitching like a demigod this year. And Rodon hit his limit recently to opt out of his deal, which I think is interesting, intriguing, especially for teams like, you know, that are going to be in a pitcher market in free agency. Like, let's say, like, the Phillies, the Yankees, the uh, the Cardinals might be in the market for a pitcher. Dodgers always in the market, et cetera. That, that, that's crazy to me to know that Rodon might be a free agent after this year, especially with what's going on right now. They're, they're desperately missing bats right now. Longoria's out for a while. They're getting not a lot of great output. From the bats, not good. Not a good sign. Padres, I can't really say much else about them except they need Tatis back just to add that little flair. Outside of Voigt and Machado, there's not a lot of extra base guys necessarily. Luke Voigt's still a demigod. I wish nothing put the best for Luke Voigt. And Manny Machado's playing like he could be in a, nas- a National League MVP when he's out there. He's been that good this year. Um... Rockies, mid, I'm not really going to talk about them too much except for their splits. I don't get how you can be 28 and 23 at home, like an above-average-ass team, and you're on the road and you're 16 and 30. Is the Coors effect that real? The Coors effect, is that that real? Is that hard to fathom that you can't win away from home? Good God, man. I always look into these splits. I thought it was crazy. The Rockies had one of the better home records in baseball last year, but they had the worst road record record in baseball or a bottom five road record in baseball. I could be wrong on both. But if you're the Rockies, I think the way they have the team constructed isn't the problem. I don't think it's a front office problem right now. It's you can't win away from Coors Field. If you can't win away from Coors Field, you're terrible. That makes your team terrible. You have to go perfect at home if you want to ever see a playoff spot. It's not because they went out and paid Brian all that money and Trevor Story hasn't done shit. That's not the answer. That is definitely not the answer. 
The answer is a lot different. And it's a big underlying thing right now. Diamondbacks, I'm sorry. You just are mid. You're mid. Better than a lot of the last place teams in this league. All right, let's get to a little bit of news here. I did touch on it earlier. Let's go back to the Mets for a second. The Mets recently made a trade to bring in Danny Vogelbach. And they traded away a reliever who I know limited work, but has a two-something ERA. I think it was like a 2-8 or 2-6. My main question is why to Mets fans. I get it. You need another bat. You've needed a bat. And he's a lefty bat, too, which brings a little bit of, I guess, flip-floppiness into the lineup. Diversity. What the fuck is Daniel Vogelbach going to do for you? He can't hit lefties. He is an abysmal hitter against lefties. But he crushes righties. He's your classic matchup nightmare if you're the Mets on your side. Because you can only play him against righties. He can't play against lefties. Volge mashes. And Volge is a fun player to watch. I, I am a fan of Daniel Vogelbach. I've been a fan of him for a while back when he was on Seattle, when he was an all-star. I've liked him on the Pirates this year. He was one of the few reasons I think Pirates fans would show up to the park. Because he's a fun guy to watch and he mashes. But what's the insight there? He's a first baseman slash DH, and he's not a great defender. And you have another horrible defender at first base in Pete Alonso. You have two terrible defensive first basemen now. And you're still in the running for Josh Bell. But I don't understand it. Josh Bell at least is an average-ass defender or maybe a little below average. He's an average-ass defender. He's not someone you complain about his defense. Pete Alonso is a horrible defender. I know he's improved, but he is a horrible defender by every advanced metric fielding percentage yeah sure whatever everyone's got good fielding percentages at the major league level he is a terrible advanced metrics defender he is a terrible defensive first baseman if you look at it he's no the way the Mets fans treat him they treat him like you freaking freddie freeman he is no freddie freeman he is not even an anthony rizzo when it comes defensively that's why i argue all the time that Rizzo's a better first baseman than pete alonzo because he's a better defender he's a better overall first baseman i'm not saying a better hitter because pete alonzo can mash Pete Alonso would be perfect in a, like what Luke Voigt's doing right now, DHing. Pete Alonso's a perfect DH. I don't understand why he didn't go get a defensive first baseman. That is a terrible move on the move on uh, Billy Epler. At least my personal opinion. I'm not gonna sit here and just bash the Mets all the time. I think you brought in someone fun. They needed a bat. I've been saying they needed a bat. Is he the bat they, that will put them over the top? No, because he can't hit lefties. He can't hit any lefty. That's the problem. He's hitting like 130 against lefties this year, Vogelbach. His righty splits are great. He's hitting like 270 against righties. He's a 230 hitter this year. And he's got plenty of pop. And in a stadium where I feel like they need pop in that lineup too to go along with Alonzo. That's their best power hitter yet. Another great power hitter. Because I don't think like guys like Jeff McNeil... Lindor can hit for some power, but Lindor I see as more as a line drive hitter. He's not a home run hitter necessarily, like Alan Alonzo or like an Aaron Judge, a John Carlos Stanton, a big time home run hitter, a Kyle Schwarber type. He's not one of those. Lindor's a gap to gap guy. But you bring in another power bat like Vogelbach, I get the idea. I like the mo- I like the thought process by Billy Epler. I don't like the execution. And when your biggest need, besides an extra bat, the extra bat's just something to put you over the top. But a bullpen arm is what you needed the most. A bullpen arm, for Christ's sake. And you trade away one of the better ones, in my opinion. 
His numbers are great. His advanced numbers are great. I don't care that he's on low innings limits. I don't care that he's young and he's unproven. You just gave up a decent asset there. Adam Adovino and Seth Lugo. Those guys aren't going to get it done out of the pen for you this year. I'm sorry. In the playoffs, you're going to have to throw Scherzer into Grob nine innings, both games that they pitch in. And you have to throw Taiwan Walker eight innings to get to Edwin Diaz, who's having a career revival, by the way. Good season for Diaz. I'm... I can't call him Ed Luz for a while because he's been pretty good. But come on now. If you're a Mets fan, I'd be furious if I was a Mets fan after that move because you want someone like Josh Bell who could play first base. You want a better bat. You want a more consistent bat. I would have been arguing, bring in Benintendi. Or bring in like a Wilson Contreras even because maybe you could teach Contreras to play some first base. He's not the greatest game caller of all time, but he's a good catcher. You have a gaping hole in the catcher spot with McCann. Unless their objective is uh, Dan Vogelbach's fat as hell, we can have him learn to play the catcher position. Which, again, yeah, I don't think that's a great idea. <laughs> but unless that's your thought process, some process somehow, I don't understand it. I, I mean, I might be an idiot. Go, go ahead. You can rip me apart any way you want. Again, my Instagram DMs are open. My Spotify account, whatever. You can take the link to my uh, anchor.com page. Leave a message. Join our subscription plan. Call me, whatever. My messages are open. I'm willing to talk about this. I I just don't understand it. I like the objective. Or I like the thought process. I just don't understand why you traded that piece. You could have probably got two low-level minor leaguers sending over for Vogelbach. Guys that aren't a part of the plan. But you decide to trade a major league piece that's a decent piece of that bullpen? Fucking stupid, bro. That's stupid. That is stupid, stupid. So, speaking of trades, there was a great article released this morning at 7 a.m. on ESPN+. Plus. I do pay for it still because of the Jeter documentary. I don't pay for Netflix. Netflix is literally Satan. But there's some good stuff here. They talk about the Juan Soto deal. They talk about all these other guys that are going to be moved, potentially. I personally am itching for a Yankees trade. There was just another alert that came up on Spotify two minutes ago. A new talking Yank saying we're itching for a Yankees trade. I'm itching for one too, Jimmy and Jake. I have been asking for one for a while. I'm asking for it. Well, trade rumors, speaking of Josh Bell, too. According to Michael Marino on Twitter, retweeted by Michael Mayer, I saw this on the, uh, as I'm still a member of Access Baseball, I saw this on the Access Baseball Twitter page. This came up as an alert. Sources tell him, uh, Michael Marino, that the Mets are one of several teams to have an offer out on Josh Bell that would send a starting pitcher and an outfielder in the upper minor leagues to Washington. If accepted, the Mets would also acquire a major league reliever in the deal. Fine. Take a reliever. That, that, make up for your sins if you're going to do that trade. I don't get it. There's more to talk about. Um, Andrew Benintendi's becoming a hot topic in the trade market. John Boy tweeted something out saying his prediction for the Benintendi trade. I think this is not a bad one. 
because I, I wouldn't want to overpay for Benintendi. He's not worth a top 10 prospect or top 5 prospect. Maybe 10. But the Royals would get Antonio Gomez, Justin Lange, and Joseph Solano for Andrew Benintendi. <laughs> Joseph Solano's freaking Joe's McFly. That's a troll tweet. Jesus Christ. Why did I say that like I knew who Joseph Solano was? I don't even know who I don't even know who that was, man! Damn it. I do know who Justin Lange and I believe I know who Antonio Gomez is. I know recently there's been a little more talk on the Soto front. Soto, it looks like right now the top contender, according to some sources, or the top team that's going to get him is the Cards. The Cardinals, that would be a great fit. The Cardinals need an edge. And they, they can't go out with a whimper right now at the end of Albert Pujols, Yadi Molina, and maybe Adam Wainwright's career. That'd be a shame. I'm trying to go through some sources I was reading recently. There's talks, too, that uh, Joey Gallo is going to be moved. I don't know who the hell would want him, but apparently there's a lot of belief between the major leagues that Joey Gallo is someone that is a... Uh, what's it called? He is a major league bat that could be uh, useful, and he's good away from New York. He needs to not play in a spotlight in a big market like that, which to me makes a little bit of sense. A little bit, but not crazy amount of sense. I don't understand it personally. I still think a team like the Dodgers or the Yankees are probably the best fit short term because they're looking to win right now, and those are teams that could play in the world. If the season ended today, those would probably be the two teams in the World Series, or they would be two teams that were like championship series-esque. On the verge of a World Series. And you have Juan Soto for two and a half years. That's big. The Dodgers would kill for a guy like Juan Soto. Yankees, they need to make a move. After that series that we just watched in Houston, they need to make a big time move. I think a bat would be nice. But I also think an arm is a little more important. They could probably get it done with the current hitting core they have. Maybe... You'll go grab someone that's a little more cost-effective in left field and move on from Gallo because he's been a hole in the lineup. Maybe bring up Florial or Andujar. But if you plan to make a big move and you want to be bold and win this year, Juan Soto is there. There's something that had Yankee fans shitting their pants the other day was that Dominguez and Trey Sweeney were pulled from their minor league game in high A. And everyone thought, oh shit, here it is. Juan Soto to the Yankees or someone big to the Yankees. Well, not the case. I think that might just be, you know, a precautionary reason sometimes they pull those guys. It's minor leagues. They just want to get a few at-bats in. It's not the end of the world sometimes. The Padres are a team that I thought earlier were maybe the behind the Yankees and maybe Leapfrog and the Dodgers, the best team to acquire him. But there was some big news yesterday on Monday that Mackenzie Gore left with elbow soreness, and that is a big red flag. Mackenzie Gore is probably the piece that makes this trade happen. He was a top five pitcher or top five player in the early season prospect rankings. Mackenzie Gore is nice. He's a pretty damn good pitcher. He's a young pitcher, and he's got a lot of stuff in that arm. And 
he's not available potentially in this trade, if he's hurt long term, that's not a good sign. And especially an elbow injury. It's not like he took a comebacker off the leg or something, or he uh, sprained his wrist or something weird like that. It's an elbow injury. That's not good. Not good at all. That that's gonna be something to watch a bit. The Soto watch is on. My current prediction. I think he stays till the offseason. I hate to say that as a Yankee fan. I think Soto's not going anywhere because no one's going to pay that price. I think if I'm GM Mike Rizzo, I'm going to pursue that trade hard. But if I don't get exactly what I'm asking for or with 95% confidence that this is what I'm asking for, I don't want to make that move. I would feel disgusted making that move. I get You want to make the move before ownership changes hands because you want a clean slate for the owner. And you don't want that guy villainized right away for trading away Juan Soto or being responsible for the trade of Juan Soto. I think it sucks, yes, that Mackenzie Gore is hurt. And I think it sucks that now a trade for Soto might not happen. And the best player in baseball, again, or one of the best players in baseball, again, won't be in the playoffs. The trade that they're asking for, it's two major league players or one or two major league level players five prospect five four to five of your top prospects including your major most major league ready ones and the willingness to take on patrick corbin's contract patrick corbin could find it with a different team under a, a better pitching coach maybe i don't know i just don't see it right now i'm just naming all the pieces now i'm looking through this passing article back to the socks if they're i said there'd be sellers two big pieces everyone's gonna be calling about is jd and xander Avaldi will be on the move too, but I don't think Avaldi will get the haul that a lot of people would think he would get. I think Avaldi's numbers aren't great, but he's a good pitcher. I've seen him pitch. He's got incredible stuff. That fastball can touch up to 102. Nice breaking ball, decent changeup, nice slider. Avaldi's good. I don't know where he'll go though. And I think a playoff team maybe. If Houston's really uncertain about McCullers coming back or they want to move Arquiti back into the pen, this is your move you make. You bring in Nate Evaldi. But otherwise, the Mets, you're looking for a bat, and you really want to make yourselves look stupid. If J.D. becomes available, J.D. Martinez, you are going to look fucking stupid. Stupid. If I'm the Yankees, too, I'm calling. I know I read an article earlier said that uh, the or not an article a report saying that the Yankees would be highly interested in Xander Bogarts. I'm not opposed to it, but I think the better fit would be J.D. Martinez because you can rotate him in and out of that outfield. Let's say you go out there and get an Ian Happer, Andrew Benintendi. Andrew, I keep saying Andrew. Is it Andrew Benintendi? It's Anthony. Or is it Andrew Benintendi? I always forget. I think it's, I don't know. I'm just going to say Ben and Tendi the rest of the episode. I always forget if it's Andrew or Andy or Anthony. No, it's Andrew Ben and Tendi. Ben and Tendi is probably, you go out there and get him or Hap, the Yankees, if you're them, and you have a chance to add another bat to that lineup, and you get J.D. Martinez, you're set. You're set. That's a good, that is a lineup with no holes right there. Because you're telling me you have, a perennial all-star at the bottom of the order or the middle of the order, like a Benintendi or a Hap who can get on base and 
hit for 280 to 300 clip. And then you have J.D. Martinez as well in the fold. Sign me up. Sign me up for that. I like Xander, but sign me up for that. I, I, I will be okay. I will take IKF the rest of the year playing short if that means we get... And I will pass on a Soto trade if that means we can possibly bring in J.D. and... An uh, outfielder like a Hap or Benintendi have a four outfielder thing. You get rid of Hicks, you DFA him, or trade him in a deal, get that salary off the books. That'd be kind of nice. But I think a team like Toronto would be really interesting for JD, but that's another righty. They don't need him. Maybe a team like Houston would go after a JD. The Mets, that'd be silly if they do that now. That'd be very silly. If the Mets went out and got Nathan Avaldi, that'd be fine. That'd be, that'd be a good move for Billy Epler. Speaking of good moves for Billy Epler, Wilson Contreras needs to be a Met. That's my final final say on it. I'm just jumping player to player. I know I might be going a little quick, but I'm just trying to get a little lightning in here so we can talk a little bit more about this Yankees-Mets series coming up. It's going to be awesome. I might even, who knows, if I have a lot of time left, I might say F it. Call one of my buddies, see his opinion. But I don't think that's going to be today. That might be for another episode. Maybe we'll do that for the next Subway series, but... Contreras, he has to be a Met. They need a catcher. I don't care if he's playing DH or not. You want to go out there and prove something to the league, Mets fans, and just the Mets in general? Bring in Contreras and bring in David Robertson in the same deal. That's a reliever. That would be awesome for your pen. As a Yankee fan, growing up watching him and his two stints in the Yankees, is dynamite. He is cold-blooded. He can get out of bases loaded, no one out, no sweat. He is amazing, David Robertson. One of the more consistent pitchers, I think, in baseball ever. Or one of the more consistent relievers ever. Because you know what you're going to get with him. He doesn't throw the hardest. He has a nice breaking ball. He's got decent stuff. And he's professional. He will handle business. He gets outs. He will eat in, He can eat an inning or two, too. He's just very professional and knows how to get people out. That would be a big bull, bullpen arm for the Mets that makes him even scarier to go along with Diaz. You need someone to set him up. Adovino is a choke artist in, its f in the nicest way possible. He's a choke artist. And Seth Lugo's got doesn't have a lot of bullets left in that arm, it seems like. The other Mets bullpen pieces are bad. They DFA Chance and Shreve, and they were relying on him for quality innings earlier in the year. And Chance and Shreve was a horrible, horrible reliever in the bigs. And I, he, I'm still scarred watching him pitch from when he was a Yankee. It's like... I get frustrated watching Lucas Lickie pitch. Chance and Shreve amplified that times 10. I hated Chance and Shreve. I hated, um, what's his name too? Like Brooks Krisky. He's in that same tier of random ass Yankee relievers that were terrible. But if Wilson Contreras isn't a Met, that's a big failure on the end of Billy Epler in the Mets and Steve Cohen in the Mets. Because that's, he's a perfect Met. He just fits well. If it wasn't for... I mean, I'd be pining for him to be a Yankee if Jose Trevino wasn't literally, like, the second coming of Jorge Posada this year. No, I shouldn't say Jorge Posada. Maybe Russell Martin's a better comparison. He's not a switch-hitting dynamo, but he's a right-handed hitting defensive genius. But if he wasn't the second coming of, a, of that... Jose Trevino, if he wasn't Jose Trevino, it'd be Kyle Higashioka the whole year back there, and I'd be killing myself. And Ben Rortman, who's in AAA right now. Maybe even Rob Brantley's getting major league at-bats, and I'd really be wanting to hurt myself or harm myself for that. But 
I don't see another team that would want him. Houston maybe, but Houston's just called up their best prospect. Their best or their number two prospect. He's a catcher. Pena. And they love Martin Maldonado. Maybe the Giants might shock everyone with this move. Because the Giants are going to be aggressive this year. They were really quiet until they made the Bryant trade last year. But Giants need to make a move if they want to get back in it. But I think this is the Mets player to lose. This is the Mets guy to get. One more couple talk on real quick. Oh, it was Andrew Benintendi. I was right. God damn it. I think the more appealing piece than Benintendi, though, is the switch hitting Ian Happ. He's 28 years old. He's young. He's an above-average defender in left. He's no Andrew Benintendi in the outfield. He's not a gold glover yet. And he's on the books for two. Instead of Benintendi, Benintendi's on only for the rest of this year. You have a year of control as well on top of that. And Happ is young. And the Cubs, their top prospects, two former New York top prospects, and their outfielders, P. Crow Armstrong and Kelvin Alcantara, or Alcantara. That's, I mean, you have outfield in the future there, it looks like. The outfield looks to be in good hands. Maybe it is time to move on from Hap. I think the Yankees are a perfect fit for Ian Hap, just because we need another outfielder, and he's someone that will be able to play in Toronto. He's a little bit better of a fit than Benintendi. I think Benintendi might go to a team like... Maybe not Houston, but the Mariners might be able to use Andrew Benintendi. I think that's probably their safer option than Juan Soto. I think Happ and Benintendi are either going to, one of them is going to be a Yankee and one of them is going to be a Mariner. Maybe, just maybe, the Braves pull off a trade for Benintendi. I think that's probably a better fit for their team than Happ. But I really like either one of them being a Yankee or a Mariner. Because the Mariners need another outfielder to pair with Rodriguez, in my opinion. I like Winker. I like Eugenio Suarez on that team. I like Carlos Santana. I like Ty Friend. I really like the Mariners this year, dude. But they could get Ian Happ or Andrew Bentendi. That'd be nice. But the Yankees, it seems like that's been the pipe dream all year. The talk is Ian Happ is a Yankee or Andrew Bentendi is a Yankee. We'll see. And there are also some other intriguing pieces available. Brandon Jury, David Peralta, Nelson Cruz, the worst fantasy football commissioner ever in Tommy Pham and Trey Mancini. Who I think Trey Mancini's gonna. St- I think a lot of those names might not move. I think Trey Mancini's gonna stay. Brandon Drury might go to a team like maybe the Giants, who I know are without Longoria for a little bit, or were without Longoria. Maybe the Rays pull off a trade for Brandon Drury. That'd be kind of cool. Bring a bat. You need some power. You need some pop. Bring a Brandon Drury. David Peralta, I think, might stay put unless Arizona can find someone willing to take him on. I think if the Yankees get absolutely nobody, let's say this is my nightmare, all right? This is like I'm having, I had a New York Knicks-esque nightmare last night. The Yankees went out. They went to go make a trade. Hap is off the market. Benintendi's off the market. Soto, they don't meet the asking price for him. He stays put or he goes to, like, I don't know. I think I had in my dream the Cardinals if he got traded. Luis Castillo is gone. He's traded to the Dodgers. Let's say in his dream. And it's and the Yankees acquired David Peralta 
Tommy Pham. Dave Peralta or Tommy Pham. I would be very, very devastated. I don't think Tommy Pham is made for New York. I don't. I think he's going to be Joey Gallo if he comes to New York. And I could be wrong, but I'm just not a fan. I'm not. I think Tommy Pham might get a surprise reunion in Tampa Bay. If traded. That, wouldn't that be nice? All right, enough trade talk. Enough of it. I'm getting sick of it, too. I know you're sick of it. Let's talk about what we're really, really interested in. Especially for my local listeners, all my friends. The 66-31 and 31 New York Yankees of the Bronx versus the 59-37 and 37 New York Mets of Flushing, Queens. The 161st Street Boys versus the Tom Seaver Way Boys. The Subway Series. Let's have a look. The betting favorite right now is the Yankees. That's the Moneyline favorite. The Yankees are, according to ESPN's matchup prediction, they're 52.5% win favorites. The pitching matchup tonight, we got Taiwan Walker, who is 7-2 with a 2.55 ERA and a whip of 1.09. In 91 innings pitched, he's allowed 75 hits to 73 strikeouts and 25 walks. And only four home runs given up all year. For the Yankees, we have one of our more interesting, questionable starters today. Someone I've been notorious for ragging on. Great walk-up song, though, by the way. I love his walk his pregame song that he plays. I love that 50 Cent song that he plays. We had Monty tonight. Jordan Montgomery, the left-hander out of Sumter, North Carolina, who's 3-2 with a 3.24 ERA, a whip of 1.05, which is better than Walker's, barely, and 108 innings pitched. He's allowed 94 hits, 88 strikeouts, kind of surprising for me, 20 walks, and 13 home runs. The long ball has been a problem for him and Cole this year. And Tyone. That's the only problem they've had, but they've been pretty solid elsewise. Lineups have not been named. The Mets lineup appears to have been named. The Mets will run with, if this is right according to ESPN, the lineup the Mets are running with tonight is Nimmo leading off in center, Marte in right, batting second, Lindor batting third and playing short. Got Pete Alonso at first base cleaning up. Behind him is the definition of mid, Mark Canna playing left. The up-and-down Eduardo Escobar will be playing third, batting seventh tonight. No, batting sixth, excuse me. Batting seventh will be all-star starter and second baseman, Jeff McNeil. J.D. Davis will bat, eight, will bat eighth in the D.H. role. And rounding out the lineup is Thomas Nito, who's hitting 213 surprisingly, this year. I didn't know he was hitting above 200. Pretty nice. The Mets do not have a batter over 300 this year. Their leading batter is... Starling Marte at 296 in average. Their home run leader is Pete Alonso with 25, and their RBI leader is Pete Alonso with 82. The Mets have on the bumps that I already mentioned, Taiwan Walker. The career numbers for the Mets against Montgomery look pretty solid. Nimmo is 2 for 3 lifetime. Marte is 1 for 3. Lindor is 5 for 9. Alonso is 0 for 5. Marcana is 0 for 5. Escobar is 2 for 6. McNeil is 1 for 6. J.D. Davis is 1-for-3, and Thomas Nito has never faced Jordan Montgomery. Interesting, interesting lineup today. I do like that they're not playing McCann. I think Nito's probably the better option to start. You have a lot of up in the front of that lineup. I could see 1-2-3. Those three guys have been a bit of a thorn, at least average-wise, are a thorn in the side of Montgomery. 
Montgomery did get a good start last year against the Mets. He started the game with all the drama, I believe. Monty didn't look too terrible out there, but the problem in his starting against Houston. But the problem with Jordan Montgomery, in my opinion, and this is going to upset some Yankee fans, and I, I, this is my thing, he is a bore to watch, and he is overrated. I think there's times I think, yeah, he is underrated, or ah, he's probably rated. I think he's overrated the way some of the fans talk about him being really good. I think he's average or above average. He's got a, you know, he gets the two strikes, he can't strike anyone out. He's got to limit the long ball. He's got to limit the hard contact. I know his soft contact rate's really good, but this year the home run ball's been the boogeyman for him. He's got to get run support. Yes, he's not a he's not a Cole, he's not a Cortez, and even like when Jamo Tyone and Nest and not Nestor, and Luis Severino are on and they're on on they they got their A game, their A stuff. Those guys are unstoppable, and those guys that those are guys more so Severino, Cole and. Cortez as of the last year and a half those are three guys right there that can win you a game and they don't they can get one or two runs in run support they don't need a lot of run support but Montgomery is someone he's notorious for not getting run support you need to score like three or four runs to be comfortable with Jordan Montgomery in my opinion Taiwan Walker let's jump to him real quick Taiwan Walker was someone who had a again this is very similar to last year all-star caliber numbers in the first half Second half imploded, fell apart. I'm going to jump real quick to Taiwan Walker's numbers last year. I believe he finished the year with like a four ERA. And he's got great numbers this year, especially the advanced stuff. Taiwan Walker's got great numbers. Like, I'm I'm happy with what uh, Walker's done. I'm not a big fan of Taiwan Walker, personally. I've never really been a big fan of the Skywalker, but he's been nice throughout his career he had some really really nice years yeah last year he had like a sub three era i believe at the break or around a low three era at the break finished year with a four four seven era for the mets he's tied his wins and you know i'd like to see a little something from taiwan walker i'd like to see a little something I'd like to see a good pitcher duel tonight because that'd be great. Imagine that. Last year was all about the long ball in this series at City Field. Yankees, Mets. They're trading blows, hitting the ball hard. And then this time around, let's see. A little bit of a pitcher, an unexpected pitcher's duel. I mean, the Yankees. I'd like to see, you know, they come off a big win in uh, Baltimore. That's got to be a bit of a confidence booster. Trevino goes four for four. So he's going to be a big headline. He's a big headline wherever he goes this year, Jose Trevino. He's been an awesome, awesome story. The Yankees need to come out with this lineup, in my opinion. It's not posted, but this is what I would do. I don't know about positions, but I would bring DJ leading off, Judge second, Rizzo third, Giancarlo fourth. I would go Glaber fifth, Donaldson sixth, Hicks 7th, Trevino 8th, wait, did I do that right? Man, LeMahieu, Judge, Rizzo, oh, Kiner for 11 ninth. I forgot about IKF, I forgot shortstop, but IKF ninth in that order. IKF has been hot recently, I keep playing the hot hand. I do not think you play Joey Gallo tonight. 
against Taiwan Walker. I do not. I don't like that matchup. I like Scherzer a little bit better for Gallo, ironically. But I wouldn't play Joey Gallo tonight unless he's facing someone who's throwing meatballs. I think it's time to sit him down for this game. You don't play him in a game like this. Because this could be our World Series preview, part one. Tonight, tomorrow could be part one and part two of a World Series preview. And it's on national television. You're going to be on TBS tonight at 710 out in City Field in Flushing, Queens, right next to the worst airport in New York at LaGuardia. You do not want to go out there and get embarrassed on national television. Especially you don't want to play Joey Gallo tonight and get embarrassed on national TV. Because I've had enough of Joey Gallo. I am sick of it. I've been a defender of him his whole career, too. I've always defended Joey Gallo. I like three true outcome guys, especially with the whole shift in that bullshit. I like him. He's a good guy. He just can't play in New York. It's time. It's time to recognize your mistake. I know you didn't give up big prospects for him necessarily. Or you gave up some guys that have potential. But you didn't give up, like, a Volpe, a Dominguez, or a Peraza, or even a Wells or Waldachuk for him. You didn't give up any big major league pieces either. You gave up Glenn Otto, really, was the big piece, I feel like, in that trade. I think the Yankees got to go out there tonight and make a statement. I know the games against the Astros were close, and they lost the season series to them, but make a statement against the Mets tonight. I think here's going to be my predictions. Montgomery's going to go five, anywhere from five to six innings. He's going to allow maybe a runner, I think, let's say two runs. Strikeout five. He's going to have a solid outing. Walker's going to go six. Allow two runs as well. We're going to get into the bullpens. Yankees don't have Michael King. He's out for the year now. Sucks. I know. Yankees will probably go. My My plan for them is go Montgomery through six. Get him through six. Then you go right away, bam, go right to Peralta. Go to Peralta or Loisica right away. I think Johnny Lowe is figuring it out. He's getting ground balls. He's just got to get the outs now. The defense has to help him. Go right to Johnny Lowe or Peralta. Do those guys in whatever order, 1-2, 7th, 8th. Ninth inning, you bring in Holmes, game over. The Mets' plan of attack is probably you have to get Walker through 7 innings. You have to get 7 innings out of Walker. Maybe get Walker into the eighth and then go Diaz because you can't have Lugo and Adovino go out there. Adovino's daddy, Giancarlo Stanton, is lurking. Giancarlo Stanton's waiting for Adovino. I think Adovino might be waiting for Stanton, too, after Stanton owned him in Fenway Park last year. We'll see, but it's a lot of storyline, a lot of drama. Lindor doing that bullshit with the whistling, thinking the Yankees were whistling signs, which obviously the Yankees didn't have the signs. Would have been, especially in a away park. Be pretty hard. There's gonna be a lot of emotion tonight. I would wish, I wish I got to see Garrett Cole pitch this series. Because Garrett Cole would probably be headhunting after Lindor. And it'd be a great matchup. He might do a Devers brush him back, might brush back Alonzo. We're not gonna see that tonight from Jordan Montgomery, because that is not Montgomery's type of game. Although Montgomery's got a little bit of velocity added on recently. I saw Montgomery throwing up to 96 last series. That's awesome. That was awesome. My prediction for tonight, though, for the final score, the Yankees are going to win 5-2. to two. I think Judge is going to keep his hot streak going. LeMahieu 
will probably score twice. Stanton is going to have a big home run if he faces Adovino. If it's not Adovino in the game, it's going to be someone else is going to hit a big home run. I have a gut feeling about Stanton, but I also have a really good feeling about Rizzo tonight. I have a good feeling, too, about if you start Kiner Falefa. I think Kiner Falefa is going to get on base, maybe steal a bag. The Mets, I think their only run's going to be a home run tonight, too. And it's going to be a two-run jack from Believe It or Not. You're going to get a two-run jack tonight from Starling Marte. And that's going to be it. That's my weird feeling. I mean, Trevino's coming off a great game. Trevino's going to be productive behind the plate, stealing strikes and stuff. Especially with the day off. I can't see why they wouldn't play Trevino tonight. Interesting story, too, is Alonzo versus Judge in this little RBI race going on. Aaron, let's go to some league leaders real quick. If I can go back to that, that is. Where the hell? What tab do I have now? Let's go to stat leaders. Aaron Judge leads the American League in RBIs with 81. And I believe Pete Alonso leads all the batters with 82 RBIs. I think it would be awesome to see Aaron Judge climb back up and get the RBI this weekend. But Pete Alonso. He was so hot to start the year, and he cooled off a little bit recently. He had a home run the, last night, I believe, against the Padres. Mets got to come and make a statement. They just lost a series to San Diego, who I think San Diego isn't the superior team. I think the Mets are the superior team to San Diego this year, but the Mets have a lot of work to do coming into this one. They came out flat in that series. Especially right after the break, you, you lose two out of three. You, you start the break, you know, only winning one game. Let's see it. And this is going to be fun. This is going to be a fun series to watch. I have a lot of good Met fans that I'm friends with and a lot of good Yankee fans that I'm friends with, and we're excited. I'm trying to get tickets to go tomorrow on Wednesday to go see Yankees-Mets. i got to try and get off work at the running company. Shout-out to Smithtown Running Company, by the way. It's going to be a great series to watch. Tonight I'm really excited. I might go order some wings or make some, make some chicken legs or something, chicken wings, make it in the air fryer, sit down and watch it. I'm not worried about the rest of baseball tonight. There's some good games out there tonight, too, I believe. If I go back to the schedule, we have uh, Atlanta and Philly is going to be a good one. Tampa and Baltimore, St. Louis and Toronto. That's one where I just read something. Arenado and Goldschmidt aren't going to be able to play due to vaccination status. Bullshit. Justin Trudeau, fix your life. We have uh, Boston on the verge of going under 500 with uh, Cleveland in town. A couple of barn burners. Battle of the Mid. The Twins and the Brewers tonight. That's going to be an interesting one to watch. Rockies and White Sox, kind of interesting to watch. And I think that's really it. I mean, Soto's and Nash- uh, the Nationals are in Dodgerland at Chavez Ravine. That might be kind of cool, but... Eh. And right now, the only game going on right now at the time of this recording, I am recording, it is 3.22 in the afternoon right now here in New York. And it's 3 to nothing. Cubbies over the Pirates in the bottom of the fourth. Not a whole lot of great baseball tonight. A lot of okay baseball. I think the only other game that catches my eye really is Tampa and Baltimore. St. Louis and Toronto is not going to be as interesting, like I said. And I think maybe Minnesota and Milwaukee. I am interested to see Boston and Cleveland just because they're similar records. They're both a game over 500. 
But if Boston loses this series, Boston's a seller immediately, in my opinion. They got to sell. Tampa Bay and Baltimore. I'll get into a couple of those games. I'll go to those three games. Tampa Bay, St. Louis, and, Tor- and uh, Cleveland. I'll go into them real quick. I'll talk real quick about it. Maybe get some better picks for it. Tampa Bay is a 68.5% favorite, according to the ESPN matchup predictor. Tonight's pitchers is Cy Young favorite right now, Shane McClanahan against Spencer Watkins. McClanahan is 10-3 with a 1-7 ERA, an under one whip of 0-8-0 in 110.2 innings pitch. He's allowed 69 hits, 147 strikeouts, which I believe is first in baseball. No, it is fourth in baseball in strikeouts. He'll probably jump back up to first after this start. 19 walks, impressive. 12 home runs allowed, which is a bit high. McClanahan's been that guy this year against Spencer Watkins, who is 3-1 with a 3.93 ERA, just under league average. A 1.37 whip and 52 innings pitch. He's allowed 52 hits, 31 strikeouts, 20 walks, and 5 homers. So this looks like an, a, line, a game favoring Tampa. Let's see if there's any lineups out. The Rays have their lineup out. It's going to be Yandy Diaz, Brandon Lau, Randy Rosarena, G-Man Choi, Isak Brady's, uh, Raylian Wright, Bethancourt behind a plate, Quinn? And who the hell is R. Quinn? Roman Quinn, excuse me. Roman Quinn and Chang at shortstop. Their injured list currently consists of Kevin Kiermeyer and Mike Zanino. Baltimore, Jonathan Arauz, Kyle Bradish, and Colby Mayo are on the injured list. I think this is a matchup that's definitely going to go Tampa's way tonight. Definitely Tampa Bay's way tonight. I don't see anything else. I didn't realize this. The, the leader for Tampa Bay in RBIs is Randy Rosarena. He's only allowed. He's only got 144 runners knocked in. He's only knocked in 144 RBIs and 12 balls that have been abducted by the fans this year. He's hitting 255. Not a, a crazy year for uh, the man who abducted the Babe Ruth Award from uh, the 2020 postseason. You got Yandy Diaz, who's hitting 294 as their batting average leader, and Isak Brady is their home run leader with 13. A bit of a surprise, part of the Meadows trade. They don't really put up in crazy numbers, I feel like, anymore, these guys. I don't get it. Baltimore's batting average leader is only 268 with Austin Hayes. Anthony Santander leads in with 16 homers and 50 RBIs and home runs and ribbies. I don't like Baltimore's chances tonight. I think they're closer to Tampa than we think. But if somehow Wackett could go pitch for pitch with McClanahan, maybe then we'll see a... Uh, a nice little matchup there. I'll get into Philly and Atlanta. As that should be a really good big game for the Mets tonight. The Phillies are 56.5% favorites according to the matchup predictor. Atlanta is the money line favorite. It is in Philadelphia tonight. We have Spencer Strider, or Strider, excuse me, with a 4-3 record, a 3.03 ERA, a 1.05 whip in 74 innings pitched. 48 hits to 114 strikeouts, 30 walks, and only four home runs allowed. Versus a Cy, another Cy Young favorite, Aaron Nola, who is six and seven with a 3.13 ERA, a WHIP under one at 0.91, 126.2 innings pitched, 99 hits, 137 Ks to 16 walks, and 13 homers allowed. Aaron Nola has looked like a Cy Young favorite this year. Spencer Strider is probably going to win the National League Rookie of the Year. 
two great pitchers. I don't know why they're leaning so much in, or ESPN's leaning so much in favor of the Braves. I think this matchup's going to be a lot closer than we think. Mets are probably going to be scoreboard watching this one just a bit. Just a bit. Your batting leaders, Austin Riley for Atlanta, is hitting 294. In, in, uh, yeah, he's leading an average. As well as home runs, he has 28 homers and 63 RBIs. Austin Riley leads in every single major batting category right now for the uh, Braves. Schwarber for the Phillies has 30 homers. He's hitting 202 and he has 30 homers and 59 RBIs. Three true outcome hitter. Beast. This would be the DH the Mets would trade for if he wasn't on a team that's contending. And the Yankees, too. A lot of teams would be trading for Kyle Schwarber if he wasn't on a contender already. Surprisingly, Alec Bohm is their leader in average for the Phillies with a 287 average. He's got a 322 on base percentage and a 398 slug, which is definitely not the highest on the team. And Kyle Schwarber leads with RBIs and fit with 59. Both lineups are out. I'll start with the Braves. We have Acuna and Wright leading off. Dansby Swanson hitting second. Matt Olson third. Austin Riley cleaning up. Darno hitting fifth. Eddie Rosario, who's just starting to get back, getting close to that 100 at bat mark. Hitting terrible, though, at 130 right now. He'll be hitting sixth. Ozuna DHing batting seventh. Robbie Cano gets a surprise start tonight. Playing second base, he'll be batting eighth. And Michael Harris, the second, will be playing center, batting ninth. Another surprise rookie. And for the Phillies going up against Spencer Strider tonight, or Strider, we have Kyle Schwarber leading off. Reese Hoskins batting second, playing first. JT Real Muto gets the start at behind the plate, batting third. Got Hall DHing tonight. He'll clean up, batting fourth, right in front of everyone's favorite disaster hitter. And there's a deep drive in the right or in the left field, and that's a home run by our fifth hitter, Nick Castellanos. We have Stott playing second. He'll be batting sixth. Alec Bohm will hit seventh and play third. Former Yankee stud D.D. Gregorius will be playing short tonight. He'll be batting eighth. And batting night is Veerling in center field. Let's go to career numbers real quick. Not good ones for the Phillies against uh, Spencer Strider. None of these guys in here have a hit, which is not that surprising, I guess. Aaron Nola, he's going to have a bit of a daunting cast tonight as guys like Acuna, Olsen, Riley, Rosario, and I guess I could throw Osuna in there. Have great career numbers against him. Acuna is a 379 hitter against Acuna. He has 11 hits and 29 at-bats with three home runs and five RBIs. Matt Olson's two for six lifetime in there. Austin Riley is 13 for 34 lifetime with a 382 average, five RBIs, three home runs, and nine strikeouts. Same exact numbers in the RBI home run and strikeout category as Acuna. Marcelo Zuna is 11 for 38 with 7 RBIs, 3 homers, and 14 strikeouts against him. It's going to be a little bit interesting. We have a good matchup. We have a great matchup in this one. I think, personally, I like the Braves. I will take the Braves tonight in a barn-burning pitching matchup. I'm going to say it's a 2-1 game. Atlanta takes it. You're going to get 7 innings from Strider. And you get seven innings from Nola. Bullpen's going to be the problem. Both get no decisions. And lastly, I'll touch on Boston versus Cleveland. Boston did win last night. The betting favorite is Boston, according to the money line. 
ESPN matchup predictor has Boston as a 51.8% favorite. Tonight's pitchers are going to be Brian Shaw. This is probably going to be more of a bullpen game versus Josh Winchkowski. Excuse me if I butchered that name. Winchkowski for Boston is 3-4 with a 4.38 ERA, a whip of almost 1.5 in 37 innings pitch. He's allowed 39 hits, 26 strikeouts, 14 walks, and 4 home runs allowed. Brian Shaw, former demigod, is 4-2 this year with a horrible 5.29 ERA, a whip of 1.38, surprising for that ERA. In 34 innings pitch, he's allowed 31 hits, struck out 28, walked 16, and allowed 7 home runs. Bit of a uh-oh there for a bullpen guy. Batting leaders, Jose Ramirez and Andres Jimenez are pretty much leading in everything. The two all-star starters, Ramirez has led the club with 19 homers. Jimenez has a 304 average, which leads the team. And Jose Ramirez is third in all of baseball with 79 RBIs. For the Sox, uh, Rafi Devers leads in home runs with 22 and average hitting 324. Rafi Devers is having an insane year. If it wasn't for Boston's terrible team this year or terrible slide, he might be an MVP candidate or he'd be more in a talk for a serious MVP candidation. candidate, see, I should say. Trevor Story leads in bad RBIs with 58, which is kind of a surprise if you ask me. Three more than Rafi Devers with 55. Lineups? I don't see lineups. Uh, is there a lineup that's been announced? I don't see a lineup. Wow. I think if Boston loses tonight, they're selling. They are sellers. They're going to get rid of JD. Then they're going to get rid of maybe Xander. But JD is probably the one that will get moved. I'd like to see JD in a Yankee uniform. Just because I always thought JD would be nice in Yankee Stadium, but that would be a good makeup for the Mets. I think both New York teams will be watching this game a little closely just so they can get their guy. That's all for baseball. Besides the other news was uh, the Players Association and the owners did not come to an agreement on the, I believe it's the international market, potentially making a draft. It is going to go back to the not the posting system, but the qualifying offer system. That's it, really, for that. I think I had a little bit more news to talk about. I think it was baseball or football-related. I think I had something football besides Carson-related. I think that's really it for this. I can't find the football thing I had. I'll talk about one more baseball thing really quick. I, this was on SNY, I believe yesterday. I saw this tweet this morning by a Twitter account called at Yankees WRLD at Yankees World. He said there is no chance. The tweet says there is no chance that they're acting like this is a real question. What the hell? The picture is shows four people talking at a table from SNY. I believe I see JJ. Yeah, that's John Jastrzemski right there. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it looks like John Jastrzemski at least. I, I, I'm going to crucify JJ for even thinking about this conversation unless it was scripted on air. Who is having the better season? Aaron Judge or Edwin Diaz is what the graphics reads. What? My man, what? That's not even a question. 
Aaron Judge is the American League MVP right now. He's second in war behind Arenado. Or maybe not Arenado, Goldsmith. One of the two Cardinals guys. He's right in the middle of them. How is that even a debate right now that Aaron Judge, that Edwin Diaz is having a better year than Aaron Judge? My brother might debate it because my brother is a silly Met fan who also believes advanced metrics don't mean anything. He says advanced stats don't mean shit, and you shouldn't even judge a player off advanced metrics, where I think my brother would be a terrible GM for that reason, and I think all his arguments are kind of void for that. Kind of funny. But Edwin Diaz is having a great year. Don't get me wrong. Big revival for Edwin Diaz. He is not having a better year than Aaron Judge. I can maybe say you compare Clay Holmes and Edwin Diaz. I can see you making that argument. I'm actually going to check that number real quick, what Clay Holmes' ERA is at. But Clay Holmes is arguably the best reliever in baseball, and Edwin Diaz is in that same argument. They're both in the same argument right now. Clay Holmes' ERA this year is a 1.26 ERA and a .086 whip. This is a guy who had a like .37 ERA going into the break. He had a really tough one against the, uh, what was their names? The Reds, excuse me. I couldn't believe I forgot about them for a second. Clay Holmes hasn't allowed an earned run since then. This is a career year for a guy who's never had under a 3-6 a ERA. Him, and then I can compare him to Edwin Diaz. Real quick. I'm sorry I keep typing on my computer. I'm just going to look this up for your entertainment state because I don't know their ERA is right off the top of my head. Edwin Diaz. Oh, I'm under the news tab. That's why. Edwin Diaz has a 1-6 ERA. That's pretty damn good, too. And 21 saves. Pretty nice for the 28-year-old out of Puerto Rico who I have previously dubbed Ed Luz Diaz. I still think Edwin Diaz is pretty mid. I still think he's having a great year. Might be a bit of a one-year wonder type blip or every few years. I mean, Edwin Diaz hasn't had a great year, really. He's been terrible as a Met up until this point. Or not great as a Met. Hasn't been worth the haul they gave for him and Cano, but hey, who knows? This is a great year for Edwin. He's looking a lot like 2018 Edwin. Maybe it's every once in four years he's good. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. All I gotta say is that's not a conversation that Edwin Diaz is having a better year than Aaron Judge. That is not a conversation we should be having. Super fan for the Mets, Mark Luciano, Giraffe Met Mark, put out on Twitter. This is an alert I got from my, not from my Access Baseball account, my actual personal Twitter account. I know I'm a crazy biased Mets fan, but this is absurd. It is absurd, Mark. If you even think you can talk about Edwin Diaz in the same sentence as the American League MVP, arguably the best player in baseball this year, and Aaron Judge. You're crazy, man. You're, you're just downright crazy. I think that's a good a good spot to end the show right here. That is a good uh, little conversation we just had about uh, the whole Diaz and Judge thing. Judge is going to probably be someone. He's on pace at 64 home runs. That You can't even have that argument with me right now that Aaron Judge 
and Edwin Diaz, like, which one's having a better season. It's going to be Aaron Judge. I'm not even going to debate it any further. I know we're talking too much baseball. Football's coming up soon. Preseason's starting up soon. August is just around the corner. Track World Championships are concluding. We'll talk about that a little bit. I want to do an episode about that when time is there. As I am a track guy myself, I run cross-country and track at the Division One level, and I've run it since ninth grade. I'd love to talk a little bit about that, but it just hasn't been on the cards for me recently. Hockey, free agency's kind of died down. I think hockey's going to kind of go on the shelf for a little bit. The NBA, I know there's the KD trade rumors and the Jalen Brown cryptic tweet last night, but we're not going to talk basketball right now until a big catastrophic, not catastrophic, but a big bombshell drops like a Donovan Mitchell trade or something, or LeBron Pat gets close to passing the scoring record. We're not going to talk too much about basketball right now. Maybe we'll do a fun episode on Thursday talking about my top 10 basketball players of all time down the road, but I want to finish up the Hall of Fame one. If you haven't caught the Hall of Fame one, that's the episode previous to this one. Go check it out. There's a couple of hot takes in there, a couple of really good conversations, good arguments for guys that should and shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. My next Hall of Fame episode will be dropping Thursday at around, let's say, 3 o'clock. I know I usually say 1 o'clock for these episodes. I'm going to be dropping this one the second I'm done recording, so probably around like, this. Is, you're probably going to be hearing this. You probably started the episode sometime around 4 o'clock. I mean, a lot of good talk. I might come back and do a, uh, maybe on Wednesday, if I don't go to the game, I'm going to do a live stream. I'll go live on YouTube or something, or maybe I'll do a live reaction to the game. That would be awesome. That's going to be great. This has been a great time here today. I know this is one of the longer episodes. I I said an hour 30 or less usually is going to be these episodes. And I thank you guys for talking. I'm debating a couple other ideas that I have for my pod. I'm trying to grow a podcast network myself. I might start a Yankees show. I might start individual sports shows. We'll, we'll see. We'll see where that leads. Sapola Uncensored, my uh, talk show where I just sit down and have some interesting characters come in. We have a special guest coming in really soon on that. I don't know the date that's going to come out. I'm hoping for next Saturday for the first episode of Sapola Uncensored. I have a really, really special guest coming in for that. That's going to be a great episode. If you're more not of a sports person, you want to tune in just for a regular talk show, something fun, a little more on the Barstool-esque side of shows where we just sit down, have a beer, kind of hang out, go check that out. That's dropping very soon. If you're looking for more behind-the-scenes access, I might do a full-out trade deadline episode really soon. If you're looking for an even more expanded one with full predictions, I'm going to be dropping that episode over the weekend. Or not over the weekend. Maybe on Saturday or Friday. I'm going to record it. I'm going to make that a subscriber-only episode. Uh, maybe not. I'm going to debate that. I'll come back on Thursday and I'll tell you what I think about doing that. Make sh- It's only $5 a month, everyone. $5 a month to get my gambling picks. You'll get free merch once we launch the merch. The merch is going to be super fire. I'm starting to work on it now. I'm really excited about that. Make sure to cop some merch. That's a quick way to cop the merch. You don't have to pay the $20 I'm going to be charging or whatever. $15, $20, you pay $5 a month. You get the merch, the latest merch updates. You get my gambling picks. You get all my predictions, insider to all episodes, access to my personal phone where you can be able to call and text, have a chance to be featured on the show. Make sure to go to anchor.fm. The link is in the bio for Spotify, I know. So go check it out. I'll put in the link up on my instagram page as well we'll be launching a twitter really soon i'm hoping to launch a twitch or a youtube account really soon i recorded the last episode on video i didn't record this one on video because i 
kind of just threw this together real quick after doing some stuff this morning and this afternoon putting this show together. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited to be doing this. I thank you guys for making it this far in the episode. I am terrible at closing these things out. I've been trying to close this out now for about four minutes. So I guess that's it for tonight's show. Make sure to stay tuned. Big game at 710. Yankees and Mets on TBS. Don't miss it. I don't care if your favorite team's playing. Maybe throw a split screen on. That's the game of the week. Or this series is the series of the week. Go tune in. Thanks for watching. My name is Nick Sapola, And I will catch you in my world in the next episode. Peace.